0: But let's take our Bibles, and we're going to go to Nehemiah 12, and let's look once again at the promise that has become a picture of moving forward vision. Notice we have four lanes. One is worship, second is community, and then there's discipleship and outreach, bounded by vision and resource management. Let's go now to just that one lane, the lane of worship. Because once again, I want to focus on the importance of Why we worship. The first part of the vision casting in this area was on keeping the word central. Tonight is going to be about our praise. Why we sing. Why we would come together like this corporately and lift our voices to God. And before we read the scripture, can I just say that worship is an honor, but it's also a command. It's an honor because none of us would be here tonight but for the grace of God. It is only by the grace of God that we're breathing, and so the fact that we are able to attend is a blessing. And out of thanksgiving, I worship Him. But yet, over and over again, the Bible teaches and commands us to worship God. So many good things about worship. Worship is is fuel to our mission because worship is all about giving God glory, and the glory of God it fuels my heart for the mission of reaching the lost. There will come a day where we will not need the fuel for mission to reach lost people because we'll be in heaven. And then the the full mission is just to give God glory throughout eternity. But I want you to see that worship right now is fuel for the mission and the goal. As well as it's an honor and a commandment, it's fuel for the mission and the goal of the mission. It involves those on the inside, but it affects those on the outside. We, as the people of God, we lift our hearts. We give God praise. And as we give God praise, we are encouraged because worship is encouraging. Then it turns into a compelling energy to let people know about Jesus. So worship, it involves those of us on the inside or in the family of God. But it affects those outside of the family of God. Matter of fact, for those in this service or any of our service who don't know the Lord, they are influenced as we, as followers of Christ, worship Jesus. I can tell you that if I was a sinner outside of a relationship with Christ, and I would gathered in this place, and I'm watching all of you who claim a relationship with Him, to see you engaged, involved, worshiping with passion would indicate to me that you really believe in the God you serve. You see, worship has an effect on those on the outside, but it involves those of us on the inside. Worship is personal, yet it's also corporate. Worship is linked to everything that I do as a follower of Christ. Every word I speak, every thought I think, every action of my life. But it's also... Part of who we are as a faith family. From the Old to the New Testament, people were called together in worship. But as I said in the very first message of vision casting, personal and private worship should always precede public worship. There will be a passion in the worship corporately if we've all been worshiping God personally. So many good things about worship, but tonight, I want to really focus in on what I would call three non-negotiables of this part of our vision. I want to take you to Nehemiah chapter 12. Let me give you the backstory story so that we're in step with the context. The Babylonians had invaded and they had destroyed the wall of Jerusalem. They had destroyed the temple of God. They had taken the people of God into exile. Many years later... The people of God were set free. What is the first thing they did? They rebuilt the temple. That's the book of Ezra. The second thing, they rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem. That's the first eight chapters of Nehemiah. From chapter 8 until the end of the book is about the rebuilding of the people behind the wall. And so as you come to chapter 12, look with me at verse 27. I'll read just one verse and then unpack all that's going on in this fascinating passage of Scripture. For the dedication of the new wall of Jerusalem, the Levites throughout the land were asked to come to Jerusalem to assist in the ceremonies. They were to take part in the joyous occasion with their songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The singers, the Bible says, came from regions all around. And the leaders established two choirs. One choir was set on top of the wall and headed northward. The other choir was set on the wall and headed in a southward direction. And they would march across the top of the wall singing the praise of God. And they would end up at the temple... It was a joyous occasion, the Bible says, and there were some phenomenal people that were involved. If you look down around verse 13, you, I mean, verse 32, you will see Hoshiah, Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Benjamin, Shemiah, Jeremiah, Madaniah. Uh, I just want to pause there and say, thank God for Mark. <laughs> just praise God for Pastor Mark. These, these incredible worship leaders like Pastor Mark and Jonna, they were brought in and, and, and one group of the leaders led the choir going to the north and the next group left, led the choir going to the south and they, they arrived at this place at the temple and they celebrated. They not only celebrated but they all participated and then they dedicated themselves in resources and surrender. Out of this passage, let me give you what I believe are three non-negotiables about worship and what it means for the assembly to move forward in worship. The first non-negotiable is this. Worship is celebrating the glory of God. And I think that should be non-negotiable. To put ourselves in the shoes of those in Nehemiah 12... Was to fill the watching nations looking at our temple in ruins and the gate completely burned with fire and the wall in rubble. They ridiculed, they criticized the people of God and the God of the people. When they started rebuilding the wall, you can go back to chapter 2 and you'll find Tobiah and Sanballat, two of the enemy forces against the people of God... Criticizing, saying even things like, even if a fox was to walk on the wall, it would come tumbling down. They had been the joke of the surrounding nations. And now, with the wall rebuilt, You see they develop two choirs, one going to the north, one going to the south. And they march around that wall where watching nations, pagan nations, can listen as they celebrate the glory of God. It wasn't an option. I don't want worship to be an optional extra of a church service. I don't want it to be an accessory I don't want it to be the prelude to the sermon as though we'll get through this and then the word will come. I want us to see that celebrating the glory of God is a non-negotiable for a church that is functioning as a book of Acts church. To celebrate the glory of God means the enjoyment of God. I think you see it in verse 27, verse 31, verse 42, and in other places throughout the chapter, that this was a joyous occasion. They found joy in God, joy in the work of God. So the celebration of the glory of God is just enjoyment of who He is. And then it moves to thanksgiving for all He's done. The passage shows us something very interesting. The choir that headed to the north went by certain gates. The choir that headed to the south went by certain gates. The very gates that Nehemiah references back in Nehemiah 2 when he saddled a horse and took a personal tour of the broken down wall. And each gate that he went by in Nehemiah 2, he then sends the choirs by in Nehemiah 12. And it was a way of giving thanks to God for what God had done through the people of God. For gates that had been burned with fire and walls that were down, they are now marching on a fortified wall with the gate put back in its place. And it was to say, look where the Lord has brought us. Celebrating the glory of God is to enjoy God for who he is. And to give thanksgiving to God for all that he's done. Could we preach tonight that where would we be but for the grace of God? Can we say tonight, oh, look where the Lord has brought us. He's been a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. He's been our deliverer in the moment of bondage. Oh, look where the Lord has brought us to the assembly, I say, look where the Lord has brought us. Let's come together and celebrate the glory of God. A non-negotiable. It's to celebrate His glory, to give Him thanks for His goodness. Here's the second non-negotiable. That we participate as the people of God. You will read through Nehemiah 12 and find that everyone was involved. Multi-generations, men and women, those that were talented in playing the instruments, those who had the ability to lift voice and sing, and then everybody else. The people participated as the people of God. One thing that we see happening in this present day is that many people watch the service rather than worship the Savior. Even the design of our church buildings place us and seat us where we watch everybody that's on the platform. And one of the things that can happen is that as we watch those on the platform worship that we think somehow will vicariously worship through them so we stand there and we spectate as others worship that was not the pattern of Nehemiah chapter 12 that is not the pattern of old or new testament worship the people of god overwhelmed by the grace of god participate in the worship of God, This stood out to me. The only spectators of Nehemiah 12 were the pagan nations watching them celebrate the glory of God. How do we avoid spectating? This is a, a very important issue. How do we avoid spectating? I, I want to really talk with you about this. The one way we could avoid just spectating is to remember that worship is a way to encourage other people. How many of you can say you came into a public worship service going through a challenge of life and the worship of other people around you became a source of encouragement and inspiration in your life? It has that kind of power. It has that kind of influence. Paul picks up on this in Ephesians 5 and he's speaking and writing to the church. And he says, sing and speak to yourselves to one another in Psalms. Because there is an influence of encouragement that flows when we worship God. When we worship on that that vertical plane, there is an encouragement that flows on the horizontal plane. There is a joy, encouragement, hope, faith, and love that is released when the people of God gather around the goodness of God and express the enjoyment of God in their praise. It releases encouragement. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul emphasizes singing about the goodness of God in such a way that everyone could resound with the word, Amen. As in, so be it, and I'm in agreement. Oh, may our worship not be watched, but may we participate. One way we keep from being spectators is to realize that worship is a way to express our unity. This is a very important point, and I hope you hear this. For we do not worship to create our unity. You cannot create unity with worship because we are all different. You take those in their 40s. And yet, that one age group, that one demographic has different styles and preferences. Then add to it the generations. Different styles and preferences. One of the great things that's hurting the church today is you're watching churches try to create unity through their worship. There's but one thing that unifies all of us in this room tonight. It is not worship, it's the cross. Hallelujah. The cross is what unites us. Now watch this. Then we take worship. Whether temporary or... Or temporary. Contemporary or traditional. It's all temporary. Whether contemporary or traditional. Old or new. Fast or slow. We take whatever song. Whatever style. Whatever rhythm. Whatever pace. And we... Sing, we participate as a way to express our unity. The song, the style doesn't unite us. The cross unites us. The song is an opportunity to express the unity. So if we're singing a song 100 years old, I'm going to sing it from a heart that's been redeemed. If we sing a song that was written this afternoon, I'm going to sing it from a heart that has been redeemed. Whether new or old, whether contemporary or traditional, through our worship, we express our unity. So don't just watch the service. Worship the Savior. It expresses the unity of the body. So much that could be said. Another way to keep from being a spectator is to realize worship is to engage in spiritual battle. Victories are won over the adversary when we worship, the activity of God is happening when we worship. The work of the presence, the manifest presence of God from the front row to the back, from one side to the other, is happening when we worship. Over the years as a pastor, I've had people say to me, I accepted Christ during the time of worship. I've had people say they were healed during the time of worship. People set free during the time of worship because there is spiritual battle that is happening as we worship and we can win some victories when we employ the weapon of worship. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Chronicles. You'll just go left from the book of Nehemiah, go back through Ezra, and you'll get to 2 Chronicles. And let's rehearse this familiar passage in 2 Chronicles 20, and I'll begin reading at verse 18. Second Chronicles 20, verse 18. Thank you for turning in your scripture, and let's see what the word of God says. Verse 18. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low and his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. They have been told that three enemy forces have joined together and created a coalition, and now they're going to attack Jehoshaphat and his people It's insurmountable. There's no way that the people of God can win in the natural. Let's pick up the reading, verse 19. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. They didn't pull out a sword. They didn't release an arrow from the bow. All they did was lift their voices in praise to God. And the victory was won. I take you to the New Testament, Acts 16. It's the midnight hour, and Paul and Silas are attached to the jailhouse wall. And the Bible says that at the midnight hour, they sang praises to God. And the earth shook. And the jailhouse doors opened and the chains were released. It ends up with the jailer and his entire family getting saved. And it all goes back to the power of worship. Because when we worship, we engage in the spiritual battle. We're not just singing to sing songs. To be quite honest with you, from my personality, I have really no interest in that. I don't come in here just to sing. I come in here to express praise to the glory of God, to celebrate his glory, to express the unity of the body and to engage in spiritual warfare. That when I lift up the name of Jesus, it begins to manifest the power and glory of God to demolish some strongholds and win some battles and overcome the adversary and bring release to those who are burdened down. Hallelujah. Not only do we participate as the people of God, number three, non-negotiables, we dedicate ourselves to the service of God. So we celebrate the glory of God. We, as the people, participate in the worship of God. And we dedicate ourselves to the service of God. For you see, once they arrived at the temple they once again honored the covenant of how they would use their resources. They reestablished obedience to the covenant of tithing of which you can see throughout the scripture, Old and New Testament. You see, to come into this place and to have a public worship service that honors God is to celebrate his glory with full participation that leads to the sacrifice of our resources and the surrender of our lives. To hold back from obedience with that which God has given me is to stop the flow of God's power. That is why when we give, we say we are now going to worship the Lord in giving. It continues the worship as a faith family to the Lord. And I challenge us to honor God. Paul says in Corinthians, we should give abundantly. We should give cheerfully. We should give sacrificially. We should give faithfully. And then there's the surrender of our lives. Now here's the type that we're getting from this Old Testament picture. That as they were in the temple of God and the glory of God filled that temple, we track that throughout the teaching of Scripture and we learn. That at the coming of the Holy Spirit, he filled us and we became the temple. And the glory of God doesn't rest in this building made with hands, but it dwells in us, the people of God. And the way the watching world will ever know anything about the glory of God, it will come through the people of God. And so we sacrifice our resources and surrender our lives so that the temple, the family... The church, the people of God, are filled with the glory of God. And when the people of God are filled with the glory of God, the light of God will shine to those who are lost. Then we will be the shining city. Then we will be light in the darkness. Then we will be the salt of the earth. Well, I call us tonight to move forward. To move forward in worship. There's an interesting note in Nehemiah 12, that I want you to know that I see it and I honor it. And it is when these leaders were gathering the choirs, they referenced David. They referenced the ways of David, the worship of David. Do you know that that would have been 500 years ago for those people? And they had not forgotten the traditional blessings of worship over the years. In a multi-generational church, we're going to sing songs that some of you are just going to feel so in the zone, such a connection with, because those are the songs of your heritage that you grew up on. For then others, it will be a, a song or someone will say, you know, that's an old song. Could we... Be mature enough to not worry about contemporary or traditional, old or new, fast or slow. Could we embrace it all? Could we lean so far back that we're leaning on the everlasting arms? To where when we kick forward, we can kick forward in the newest expressions of worship as long as it celebrates the glory of God. Oh, for a church that can show a community we don't have to be all young or all old. We can somehow move in a celebration of the glory of God and whether we're singing that which is traditional or contemporary it would express the unity of the body, the glory of God and it would do some serious spiritual warfare. Oh, that's the church we're called to be. Tonight I have intentionally held the offering because we're now going to continue our worship in a moment i'm going to ask for this team to come back and we are going to worship we're going to worship in our giving we're going to worship by the lifting of our voices and just allow the lord to be praised and All week, I have prayed, Lord, how awesome will it be if on Sunday night we have 100% participation? We would just lift our voices to you, young and old alike, front row to the back row, one side to the other, giving you praise. Wow. How incredible. The Bible says, praise the Lord. Praise Him from the heavens. Praise Him, you heights above. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you kings of the earth. Praise the Lord, all you people of the earth. For His name is exalted. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Make music to him, for the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Let the saints rejoice. May the praise of God be in our mouths. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him on the instruments. Praise Him with the clapping of hands. Praise Him with the lifting of hands. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Tonight, can we worship Him in spirit and in truth? Would you stand with me, ladies and gentlemen? Lord, tonight we now join as a faith family to worship you. And in this time of worship, we will sacrifice our resources and surrender our lives, participate, every one of us.